What's up, game geeks and tech junkies? Welcome to A Gaming Moment, a weekly 30-minute podcast about everything gaming and streaming related, including the news, tech, and software behind it. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram so you can engage with us, as well as find out when we're streaming the podcast and get a first listen before it goes out across all of your favorite podcasting platforms. I'm Dagan07, and with me as always is Wild Twins Fan. The past few weeks have been pretty eventful in the gaming, streaming, and tech world. Between the release of the RTX 3080 and 3090s, the announcement of the next-gen Xbox and PlayStation consoles, which we've already covered, and Microsoft drops a bombshell with the purchase of a giant gaming developer. The 3080 launch was a huge debacle, as well as the PS5 pre-order debacle with retailers. Now, the Xbox pre-order is a mess, too. All this and more in this week's episode. But before we dive into that, we need to mention our charity event we're running from October 18th through the 24th. For more information on the charity and who will be streaming along with us here at a Gaming Moment, please visit us at agamingmoment.com slash charity. Now, Day, let's jump into this week's topics. Yeah, in a move that's shaken the gaming industry, Microsoft has announced that it's acquiring ZeniMax Media, which is the parent company of Bethesda. The move means that Microsoft will have ownership of massive game titles like Fallout, Doom, Dishonored, Wolfenstein, The Elder Scrolls, Prey, Quake, and more. According to Microsoft, it paid $7.5 billion for this acquisition. Yeah, this is a major bombshell that has everyone talking about such titles as Fallout, Doom, and Elder Scrolls, and more so if they're going to be exclusives on the Xbox moving forward. According to Microsoft, that won't be the case. I think this is just to solidify that Bethesda games are first available through Game Pass, Xbox's subscription service, but I wouldn't doubt that there won't be some Xbox-exclusive content in the form of DLC for those games, though. I mean, if a move like this is to be made, there has to be some form of exclusivity that comes with it. Wildy, what are your thoughts on this move? I'm not sure exclusivity is what they're after. I mean, it's already proven that cross-platform's making money. So I hope we can go that away from all that with all games. Overall, nothing too new for Microsoft. They've been busy buying and creating game companies increasingly over the years. But this one's a big one. And I'm hoping they don't mess with the success and enable these companies to continue to put out great games. And overall, I think Microsoft is smart enough to do that. As mentioned previously, the RTX 30 series, the PS5, and the Xbox Series X pre-orders have been chaotic to say the least. Scalpers are selling consoles and graphics cards with huge markups. Many in the industry are saying that there were bots developed to listen for purchase buttons to go live and auto-buy the products. This has left a lot of us with a bad taste in our mouths, as many of us were sitting at our computers just hitting that refresh button waiting to see that add to cart or buy now button become activated. But instead, we got greeted with a dirty, disgusting sold out button. Yeah, it's pretty much been a disaster for all gaming companies this year. Anything involving gaming has been seriously affected. Even developers are struggling to keep their games on schedule. Heck, I think even Nintendo Switches are still hard to come by. I'm not surprised, though. With new generation consoles and GPUs, launch days have always had historical supply and demand issues. Nothing new here. Other than it seems the current pandemic is just ramping up the overall demand. It's also crazy to me to see that this year's sale of expensive high-end VR headsets has skyrocketed. At one point, they completely sold out across all platforms and manufacturers. Racing and flight sim hardware has also had supply and demand issues. 
and flight sim gear is going to be limited in availability again due to the high demand of flight 2020. Yeah, Wildy, even I was greeted with the same thing when I tried to pre-order the Xbox Series X. I was greeted with a dirty, disgusting, out-of-stock button. And man, I can't tell you what a hopeless feeling that is. It's like you get hyped up and hyped up, hyped up, and then your heart's broken. But, I mean, it just means I gotta wait longer. You know, hashtag first world problems. The good news is Microsoft did announce more would be back in stock by November 10th. Amazon's warning that pre-ordered new-gen Xbox and PlayStations might not arrive on launch day. I'm not sure if this is a preemptive, your postman's not going to get your Xbox to you on launch day, or if they're having supply and demand issues. Um, so just be aware if you got in one of those lucky pre-orders, it might not be there on your doorstep. The real problem we're seeing from all this is scalpers trying to take advantage of people. Have you seen some of these crazy eBay listings day? Yeah, these people are just stupid for listing these GPUs and consoles for the amount of money they're asking. I mean, we're talking 10 to 15 times the price of the original device. And I hope, I really hope people are smart enough to just be patient and wait for the items to become more readily available. No doubt some people are trying to make a little money on these devices, but I'm going to say a lot of those eBay listings are just getting trolled with fake bids, fake buyers, Ain't no one paying 70k for a 3080. The hell no. So, Aldi, what else did you see this week? AMD's big Navi VRAM specs are leaked. A 16 gigabyte Navi 21 and a 12 gigabyte Navi 22 go head to head with Nvidia's RTX 3080 and 3090s. I'm not going to get too worked up over this. I mean, my RX 590 has two more gigs of RAM versus a 1660 at six gigs. And it's about $20 cheaper currently, but the 1660 is still slightly better performing, even though my card has more RAM. So like I said, I'm not going to get too worked up over this. We'll have to wait and see the benchmarks, but I still feel NVIDIA is going to take this one. Now, if we're talking about a marginal difference between the 3080 and like the Navi 21 XL, which is presumably going to be called the RX 6700, and it's like $100 less than the 3080, then I'll look at picking it up. But if it's less than $50 difference, I'll stick with the 3080. The other thing I'm waiting for is AMD's response to NVIDIA's NVENC chip, which is a chip that streamers can utilize for encoding their streams and taking the load off their CPU and core GPU. So with that, I'll stick with the 3080 because NVIDIA's drivers and software has always been known to be better than that of Radeon's. And of course, NVIDIA having the NVENC chip. But like I said, we'll have to wait and see what the benchmarks say. Well, the RTX 3080 benchmarks are out, at least. And the RTX 3080 finally brings us ray trace gaming at a good price. Targeting 60 FPS at 4K, the 3080 is outperforming last gen's 2080 Ti flagship at all resolutions. But you really see it at the higher resolutions. Overall gains at 1080p seem to be in the 20 to 40% range. But when you step up to 1440p, there's a general range of 50% faster frames. And then at 4K, there's an impressive 65% faster frames over the last gen 2080. That's pretty impressive. I've been keeping my eye on all of these benchmarks for the 3080. And I got to say, I'm feeling more and more confident with my decision to keep going and keep looking for a 3080. Of course, again, pending Big Navi's benchmarks. 
Most of the benchmarks I've seen have been run using the Ryzen 9 3900X or the Ryzen 9 3950, which are the CPUs I'm considering when I make my upgrade. And the results are actually boding really well for me. I don't, as of now, plan on gaming at 1440p or 4K, so I'll be able to max out my monitor frame rate and be able to play all my games at 144 frames while I'm not streaming. And according to a video from Alpha Gaming Channel's Harris Heller, it should still get those same frame rates even while streaming at 1080p at 60 frames to Twitch through OBS, which is really all I need. Another huge reason, in my opinion, to consider NVIDIA over AMD NVIDIA's launched their new broadcaster app, which continues on from where their impressive RTX Voice started. RTX Voice was all about denoising your environment for live streams or playing with your friends. You could also apply the same AI-powered noise reduction to incoming audio. So if your friend was playing with and had a noisy dog or a partner in the background watching TV, their voice would be isolated, and it works better than any other program I've seen. They now also committed to launching RTX Voice to all GTX series cards, though that came with a disclaimer that it might not work well on some of the older GTX series cards, but I suspected this was coming since there was a lot of people that figured out early you could easily bypass the RTX requirement with a real simple edit. NVIDIA has gone ahead and launched their new broadcaster app for 2060 series and above GPUs. The app has three features that up your gaming and streaming. First, the noise removal with RTX Voice. Secondly, a virtual background, removing the background of your webcam feed and replacing with game footage, a replacement image, or even that subtle blur that people like. And finally, what they're calling auto frame, which zooms in and out on you and uses AI to track your head movements, keeping you at the center of the action as you shift side to side. It's like having your own camera person. The Xbox Connect actually had a similar feature, which worked really nicely for Skype in a setting like a family room. Though I don't think the auto zoom is going to be a killer feature on stream for me. Maybe for the IRL just chatting streams and such. But overall, I'm not getting up and walking around my room on stream. So, whatever. For me, this is a nice to have feature. Even when I get my 3080, I don't think it's something I'm really going to utilize. I mean, I've already got my green screen. I've already got everything set up in OBS the way I like it. And more applications integrate nicely with OBS. So this would be for someone like my son who's just starting out streaming and they want to do some kind of cool stuff. And right now there's currently an issue when using the broadcaster app with OBS. It will cause your stream to drop frames, not your game, but your stream, just due to the processing power it takes for the AI to do all of the rendering. Now the RTX voice I'll use for the podcast, but that's really about as far as it will go for me. The current trending game on Twitch, Among Us, has everyone thinking everyone's pretty sus. But for real, a gaming moment ventured out this week and played a little Among Us with some of our community. And for what seems to be a simple game, it gets pretty intense. I'm not exactly sure what spurred this game into the limelight currently. It's been a sleeper title out for almost two years. Day and I got to be imposters on our first game. Would not recommend. Super hard to lie and cover your tracks when you had no clue how to play the game. I seen some gameplay beforehand, but it was still hard, and we got tossed. I wouldn't say it's hard to lie when you're new. Quite the contrary, actually. It's easier to lie because you can say you're following people around because you don't know what to do, and you figure buddying up would be the best way to stay alive. 
Regrettably, my first time I accidentally got caught because I hit the button at the wrong time. And the second time I got down to three people and it was just a process of elimination. Oh, well, say lovey. It was still a ton of fun. I tried it on mobile as well, and I didn't have as much fun with it. The controls on it were just a little bit more kind of chaotic with it. But pro tip for PC players, enable mouse and keyboard and memorize the keyboard shortcuts. Also, hit us up on social if you want to run a game with us. Speaking of Twitch, Twitch is testing mid-roll ads that streamers can't control, causing major backlash from the community. The official Twitch support Twitter account clarified that it had finished its advertising test and that viewers would no longer see mid-roll ads. It was also taking users' feedback into account regarding these changes, but it also stopped short of not promising to re-implement mid-roll ads in the future. Yeah, this was a horrible decision by Twitch. However, I do understand it. Their business model, like every other social media platform out there, is to generate revenue via advertisers. And like most other social media platforms, it's ruining the end user experience. How? Imagine watching an intense gaming situation where you're about to witness a glorious win or a 1v1 situation in a battle royale, and the two are just about to duke it out, and wham! A 30-second ad pops up, and when it's complete, the streamer is back in the lobby talking about what an epic ending it was and how it was an IQ 9000 play, and you totally missed it. It's just not a great experience. I, too, think it's terrible. Like pretty much everyone else, I hate ads. In fact, I got Twitch Prime long ago to avoid ads until they took that away. Now they're going one step further and adding more ads. It's making the issue of discovering new streamers that much worse. It's bad enough for me to watch a 30-second ad before the stream rolls, which makes it laborious to check out new streamers. But now we potentially lose key moments due to the ad popping in or running in the heat of the moment, without any control. The ads in the U.S. are already out of hand, and this is just another step in the wrong direction of corporate greed. Sure, Twitch pays the streamers for the ads too, but the rate's really low. And the ad revenue for a small streamer like me is literally pennies each month. Now, without any control of these ads, it's even worse. Guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast and would like to support us so we can keep creating more content, we've started a Patreon that you can visit at patreon.agamingmoment.com. Become a patron and gain exclusive benefits such as early access to episodes, monthly AMAs, and an additional monthly bonus episode. You can support us for as low as $1 a month, so sign up today. Yeah, Dave, we got a couple follow-ups from some previous episodes. Rocket League is finally free-to-play. Developer Sionix announced the game would soon be free-to-play back in July, but it's officially here. The game makes the move to the Epic Game Store, and also there's some in-game updates that have been made. Yeah, many people are upset over the UI changes that have gone live, but Sionix has come out and stated they did perform user testing, and while the old UI made sense for veteran players... It was not intuitive enough for new players. Being that the game is now free to play, that's the audience that they want to focus on. So when they play the game, it's easy for them to find the mode that they want to play and it will keep them playing longer and more importantly, keep them coming back to play. So for all of you Rocket Leaguers out there, calm down, voice that you'd like a quick play button back because we all know that's the biggest gripe anyways. And I'm sure with enough people asking, they'll re-implement that back into the UI. Just be glad they got your money so now others can enjoy it for free, unlike the poor gamers on Mac trying to play Fortnite. 
Fortnite Save the World is now going to be unplayable on Mac after the next patch, with Apple now preventing Epic from patching its game on macOS. Epic Games is offering refunds for macOS gamers that spent money on the game and played it in the last year. That includes Save the World's Founder Edition, Starter Packs, V-Bucks, or Llama's Bot on Mac since September of 2019. Gamers actually don't need to do anything for the refunds. They'll automatically be issued. Thanks to Fortnite's cross-platform capability, players actually get to keep their purchases and still have them on PlayStation, PC, or Xbox One. That's a nice touch, Epic. As much as I'm not a fan of Epic or Fortnite, they're doing their Mac user base a solid and issuing refunds and allowing people to keep their purchases. So kudos to them. Apple is really showing their true colors during this pandemic, though, and the epic Apple saga continues. Hey, if you haven't already, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram so you can engage with us as well as find out when we're streaming the podcast and get a first listen before it goes out on all podcasting platforms. So do it. Well, now that you mentioned it, there's no better reason to hit us up on the social medias than the top questions of the week. And this week, we actually have a couple of listener-submitted questions. The first one being, if you could be in a video game for one day in real life, which one would it be and why, Wildy? I mean, GTA Five, dude. Come on. Pretty much any open-world sandbox game would be amazing. Going back to a favorite movie of mine, Groundhog's Day, and yeet myself off of skyscrapers, crash cars, jump cars, steel cars, can you kidnap a groundhog in the game, day? I don't think so. Not yet, anyway. They should add that into the game. Just the potential to do whatever you want without consequences would be a blast. So I think any of those games that are open world would be a blast. I'm not sure without consequence because of the wanted levels and whatnot, but yeah, I get it. I mean, for me, I'm going to be awkward and say one of the new NBA 2K games just because I think it would be awesome to progress through a college career and then through the draft and then the player career. Granted, you're limited to basketball-related activities, but they do have social modes where you can go do some crazy stuff. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't have thought of that one. Not really a NBA 2K gamer, but yeah, I know they added some depth to those games beyond just, just the game itself. So, Day, next question you caught a teammate hacking, what would you do? What if they're a friend? I mean, for me, cheaters deserve no remorse, even if they are a friend. I'll definitely privately report them anonymously because I'm not going to let a game jack up a friendship, but I will lay into them like, what the heck, man? Don't do that. But yeah, you're fucking getting reported, my dude. Then I'll just do the old cold shoulder thing and be like, bruh. I'm not gaming with you because I'm going to keep getting banned or I'm going to get banned for being guilty by association if you keep hacking. And I mean, here's the thing. It goes beyond gaming. With anything in life, if you're gaming the system to get an unfair advantage, you get whatever bad things you deserve happen to you. Plain and simple. There are a few exceptions because there are people that use scripts in their day-to-day work activities for their mouse. So, like, I know some Logitech mouse scripts are considered hacks by some games, but you can use it for other non-gaming applications and accidentally game with that profile enabled, and shit happens, and you're not intentionally hacking. 
This happened to an old buddy of ours who actually got banned live on my stream because he loaded the game with the mouse script enabled for his work. So there is some gray area for leniency there. Well, I have no mercy. I'm thankful to say I've never known a friend online to be a cheater. So that's a plus. But if I did find out once cheating, I'd treat it the same way. I gathered the evidence and then I'd submit the evidence when I report the cheat. In my humble opinion, reporting alone isn't enough. I've recorded and edited videos of cheaters just so I can shame them and prove it online. Oftentimes linking it on Twitter. I also block those players. I don't want to play with those people. I don't want them on my team. I don't want them on the other team. Um, I think playing with those people is just as bad as cheating yourself. COD is still rampant with cheaters. I report several people on a long day of gaming. I doubt it does anything though, because I've talked to blatant cheaters that claim, and I've seen proof that they've been cheating for months. No doubt I'm not the first to report them, and I don't think the game in-game reporting hardly works, if it ever did. It's just a feel-good button put there by the devs that doesn't do anything or go anywhere. I've certainly had a few on my teams in COD, just random people that join the game. It's also a big downside to being good at the game. Skill-based matchmaking in COD punishes you in lobbies with skilled, quote-unquote, aka cheaters, more often because they have better stats on average. I'll say it's hard to confirm when they're on your team. Generally speaking, I don't die fast, and cheaters are hard to kill, so I don't get to see their gameplay as much as the other team experiences it. Bottom line is, I report all cheaters no matter what. So yeah, guys, be sure to follow us as we love to engage with our community and keep submitting those listener questions as we love answering them. And that's going to be it for this episode, guys. Stay tuned for AMD's upcoming releases. Don't buy from scalpers. And we can't wait to see how the Bethesda-Microsoft partnership is going to unfold. Thank you guys for listening in. Consider our Patreon to support the podcast and also by going to merch.agamingmoment.com and picking up some of that sweet, sweet swag like our popular custom embroidered hat that's selling so fast. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform and be sure to check back every Tuesday for new episodes. Until next time, keep grinding.